Thank you so much, and you may be seated. Uh, it is a joy and a delight to be with you here this morning. I'm so glad that they allowed the guests to come in for chapel to preach, but we don't have to go through midterms like you have to here this week. And uh, I remember some of those days. Well, I'll tell you what, some of those were long, long weeks, and we appreciate your faithfulness. And I can say the same thing, just as a, a testimony, that it has been a privilege to uh, even know um, West Coast Baptist College and your leadership uh, has stayed the same all of these years, and the purpose of West Coast Baptist College has remained the same even from its infancy. I can remember uh, even some of those early years, even coming out here, wasn't as much, but uh, we're so thankful that there's still a purpose of training servants for the Lord Jesus Christ in the harvest field, and we're so thankful for West Coast Baptist College. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 33 here this morning. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, we've got some great, great verses that meant so much to me here a couple of months ago as I'd never really come across these verses. These verses have been a daily challenge to me, and I trust that they will be to you as well. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse number 24, the scripture says this, and of Asher, he said, let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. You know, when we look at these verses, they're verses that were uttered by the man Moses. Literally, these are some of his final words, final five verses of uh, his speech. And after this, he is going to ascend uh, up to the top of Mount Pisgah, and he's going to one last time get a chance to just simply view the land that he will never set foot in. But it's at this time here that God somehow gives him some spiritual vision, and as he's talking to his beloved tribes, some tribes that he has literally seen grow up, many of these, as they've been children now, are the adults that are going to enter a new field. And as Moses begins to see the different tribes, and he begins to see, and again, it's amazing what he sees. Only God could give this vision. But he picks out one tribe here in verse number 24. And he says in verse number 24, And of Asher, he said, Let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Now, I have to let you know, I'm sort of like a Bible geek. I, I love to study the Bible, and one of the benefits that I've had over the years is to visit the land of Israel. You know, something, if you ever get a chance, at least put it somewhere in your life on your bucket list uh, to get over to the Holy Land and that land, uh, because especially if nothing else, it's going to help you in your Bible study. You are going to see some things in a different way. And when I read that, I began to realize so much about what Moses was able to see, not because he had been there, but because God revealed to him that here was a group of people, a tribe. The tribe of Asher was a coastal tribe. Is a tribe that if you go over to the land of Israel, you go to the coast there in the Mediterranean in cities such as Haifa and even Mount Carmel where Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal, that's included in this tribal area of Asher. It's a tribal area that even from the sky, and again, Moses could not have seen this himself except 
God revealed it to him. Many Bible teachers note that even the shape of the tribe is shaped in the shape of a foot. And notice that there's two parts of this prophecy that are given. First of all, he says here uh, that Asher is going to have his feet dipped in oil. It's a prophecy that tells us that this tribe has all sorts of blessings. And blessings of extravagance beyond. Oil is an extravagance. And literally, if you go to the area around there, Mount Carmel, for instance, where Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal, there's olive trees growing. It's the tribe that provided the oil even for the temple. It's a tribal area that is just rich in olive oil. But in addition, it's also the place, since it's right there on the coast, even to this day, and again, I don't know if this is part of Moses' prophecy, but even at this point, uh, you've got the great oil pipelines that go, and they end at Haifa, and there uh, the oil is transferred by ship uh, across to many nations. It's a rich, rich country, rich, rich territory. Notice he says that it's going to be so extravagant that you're even going to dip uh, your feet in oil. It was natural. Many servants would take their masters and wash their feet. But here he says, you're going to have the luxury. You're going to have a sort of like, you know, those who might even put lotions or perfumes and uh, different things. Oil was a, a luxury and extravagance. And he says, you're going to be just dipped in oil. But he says, but, and here's the catch. With this extravagance, that you're going to have some hardships. And again, Moses is uh, here preaching to the people. He's never been there. He's never seen this, but God is revealing to him that there's going to be a mixture of blessing and hardship. You see, the tribe of Asher, even though it is blessed with all sorts of richness and blessings, it is also a very rough place to live. It's on the coast, and there's many a rocky road, there's many a hard path to follow. There's a climb, there's an escalation that's going to have to be undertaken, and here we find that in addition to the blessing is going to be a lot of difficulty. Can I just say, young people, that's exactly what you're going to face. You are going to face some rich blessings. I happen to believe that, that in 2019, some of you, that even on the verge here in a couple of months, that you're about to graduate from West Coast Baptist College. Congratulations, that's great. That's exciting. Listen, there are all sorts of blessings in store for you. But there's also some hardships. You know, the ministry is not just simply all smooth sailing. The, the ministry is not, and I wish it were so. I wish, yeah, I wish that, you know, everybody that, uh, you know, we would ever minister to would love us and stay in our churches. But I'm here to tell you that doesn't happen. I wish that every person that we would witness to would accept Christ as Savior and grow and progress. But that doesn't happen either. There are rich blessings, but they're also balanced with some great difficulties. And that is why he says here in the second part, in verse number 25, he says, Therefore, he says, Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. I don't believe he was talking about literal shoes, <laughs> you know, other than the Dutch wearing wooden shoes. It wouldn't be very practical for somebody to go around and have iron shoes unless they were trying to, you know, work out. 
Uh, they certainly wouldn't be real iron shoes. But what he's describing here is that God matches the difficulty with a provision so that you have strength. Iron and brass is a symbol of strength. That's why they made the chariots out of that. That's why they made many of their weapons out of iron and brass. They were instruments of strength. And he says, listen, you're, you're going to have a tough there. There's going to be blessings. He says, listen, I'm going to provide what you need. I'm going to give you some iron and brass shoes. Notice he says, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. You know, isn't that the way it is that God provides the strength? I think about the Apostle Paul who said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know, I believe that this promise here means three things to me personally. I believe, first of all, it means that God is going to give strength for each day that I live. For each day ahead of me. God is going to give me the strength that I need. I want you to understand, young people, this morning, that you might have plans. Uh, some of you, your plans uh, even are with marriage. Some of you, your plans are for ministry. Uh, some of you, you've got plans uh, of going to different locations, different destinations. But I'm here to tell you that we need to remember that your plans may not come to fruition. Because the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, we're only a couple of months into the year 2019. I've already been involved in, I've already had to preach or been part of three funerals. One was a funeral of a man in my church that was a very faithful, I, I mean, one of the most faithful bus captains, soul winners that I've ever seen. And he's a man, but he was 82 years of age. He got sick here this last year and he went and struggled in the hospital for a couple of months. And a couple of, uh, several weeks ago, uh, he, his sickness led to his death. That, that man was 82 years of age. Well, then within a week, I had a couple of others that passed away. One of them was my brother-in-law who got cancer. And he struggled with the cancer. He passed away a few weeks ago. He was 52. But then there was another young man who was on his way to work traveling uh, from Rosemont, Minnesota, traveling down. He worked at Mayo Clinic. And traveling from Rosemont down to Rochester, Minnesota, uh, during some uh, wintry weather, he struck a patch of ice, lost control, and that young man died in that car crash. He was 22. 82, 52, and 22. You see, I, I wish it were that only the ones that are in their 80s and 90s would be the ones we'd have funerals for. But that's not always the case. Listen, I'm here to tell you it's a wise thing for you and I to realize that every day is precious to be lived for God. You realize that Moses is, Moses, as far as we know, only wrote one psalm. There's one psalm. Uh, out of all of the 150 psalms in our uh, book of psalms, there's one psalm that's attributed to Moses. It's Psalm 90. You know what's, what's, what Moses said in Psalm 90? He said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You see, the older I get, the more I realize that every day is precious. Uh, every day is precious. Some of you, by the way, uh, you're engaged, you're going to get married. I uh, hope that, by the way, that you will treat every day with your future spouse as precious. 
Every day in ministry, I trust that you will treat that as a special day. You know, it's been now 32 years that I've been actually on the staff. I left Hiles Anderson uh, College. I was there for my seminary, graduated in 1987. And I will never forget on that night that my wife and I, we packed up the car. We had our one-month-old little boy by the name of Jonathan. And we packed up the car and we traveled uh, from Indiana to Rosemont, Minnesota. And I remind myself of this constantly, uh, of that night that we traveled through the night, and as we crossed over the St. Croix River, we came to an, uh, an entry point, a rest area, where they had a big map, welcome to Minnesota. We stopped the car there at that rest area, and we had about an hour-long service where we got on our knees, and we prayed, and we thanked God for bringing us to Roosevelt, Minnesota. And we dedicated ourselves to live every day for the purpose God had brought us there for. You know, I've reminded myself of that dedication service that we had on that first day. You know, the problem with many individuals that get in ministry is they forget about that first day. And all of a sudden, things start, they get accustomed, they get used to it. Listen, you should never get used to, uh, you, you should never get used to even uh, during this year of uh, being in this great Bible college. What a privilege. There are many individuals that wish they could be right here where you're at. God is going to give you strength for every day. Th thank God for the day that you have. But secondly, God is going to give different kinds of strength. You know, there's different needs that take place. There's different needs that take place in our lives. There are some needs that we have, you know, everybody, of course, would probably say, well, I need money. And I could tell you different stories over the years, but I remember one in particular was actually while I was at Hiles Anderson College. I worked, in fact, I actually worked with Brother Kurt Skelly. You know about Brother Skelly. I, I remember Brother Skelly and I, we worked as security guards at a place called McCormick Place. And back in those days, we, we just barely had enough to pay the bills. And I can remember one night I was working third shift at McCormick Place, and I showed up thinking this is an indoor place, a place where they're going to just simply show some things. So I never planned on dressing for outdoor weather. Maybe that's why God called me to Minnesota. But here I showed up at McCormick Place, this show, for, show place. And I showed up there with just a windbreaker because I thought I'm going to be indoors. And my manager that night said, listen, we, we, we want you to stand by the door where they're bringing in a bunch of cars. And so I had the unfortunate assignment of standing near the door on a wintry night as all of these cars were being brought in. But that wasn't the worst because all of these cars, it was snowing outside. And so uh, the manager said, listen, they're going to want to wash their cars. You know where they wash the cars? Right where I was standing. So here I was, and you know that Chicago's known as the Windy City. I was standing at that door. Uh, the wind was blowing. It was cold. It was icy. And I'm standing, and I'm standing literally in about three inches of water as the drain is not draining. But that wasn't even the worst of it. I was so poor, my shoes had holes in them. And so now, I mean, it's going up to the socks, and I'm just shivering, and I've got this windbreaker, and I can remember, you know, thinking, what in the world am I doing? 
All of a sudden, there was a man from another security company who walked up to me. And I didn't know this man, but he walked up and he reached in his pocket and he said, here, he said, I think you could use something on your break. And he handed me a $5 bill. It's $5. It's not much. It's enough to get a coffee or hot chocolate. But you know what? That $5 meant everything to me. God provided when I needed it. And I didn't know that man. I never saw him again. But I'm thankful that God had put in his heart. And every time I see a $5 bill, I think about that man. You see, I didn't think it was just that man that provided that $5. That was God. And God gives you what you need. That you might need money. You might need strength. Yeah, I can remember 25 years ago that in the ministry, again, things don't just simply happen the way you would like them to. We had within a very short period of time a, a, a period in which case every other assistant pastor was led of God to leave. Leaving Pastor Johnson and Dave Clear. I was the only assistant pastor, and it was incumbent upon me. Pastor Johnson said, listen, I can't take on any more. He said, uh, Brother Dave, he said, can you take some of their responsibilities? I took every one. And so I wore not only the youth pastor hat, but I was the bus pastor. I was the Sunday school director. I was the Christian school chapel leader. I was teaching several classes in the Christian school. I was in charge of all of the children's ministry, Sunday school and children's church. And, and I did all of that, and I'll never forget during that period of time, in which case I had more responsibility. God helped me through it. God helped me through it. You know what, young people, you might find yourself in a situation where it seems like you just can't handle it. There's so much that's going on. And ministry oftentimes will have seasons like that, but seasons that will pass. Listen, God says here uh, through Moses, he says, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. It might be that you come down with some disease. You have to go through some difficulty. I just got done, as, as I said. My, my brother-in-law just passed away. And speaking to my uh, sister-in-law, speaking to Denise many, many times and encouraging her as here she was and she's teaching in a school while also trying to take care of her husband during his latter days. God gave her the strength. And God will give you the strength for whatever the challenge is. I'm simply saying that God is good and God has a path for us and God has a, a plan that is good. We need to trust Him. You know, for some, it, it might be just simply patience. You know, what is the ministry all about? Some of you, again, we're so thankful and, and I want to encourage you, the ministry is great. I don't want to just simply come here this morning and tell you all sorts of bad stories because I could tell you all sorts of good too. But you know, there are people and sometimes those people, they can, they can be problems and sometimes they can be challenging. Listen, God will help you through that. And one of the things I've learned, I've learned over the years that, that if you'll just simply keep your focus on God, then everything's going to be okay. You know, the other week in our church service, we, our song leader, very spirit-filled song leader on Sunday nights, chooses very carefully the songs, and he happened to choose a song that intrigued me. He chose for us to sing the song, So Send I You. And I thought about that as he chose that particular song. 
Because I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's two versions of that song. As the lady who wrote that song, her name was Margaret Clarkson. She was born in Canada, around Toronto, and her life's work was she was to be a teacher, a Christian. She wanted to be a teacher for those who were struggling, and she for many years worked in a logging camp. Many years she worked in a gold mining field. And she taught in some very difficult places. She wrote the first version of So Send I You. And if you ever read that first version, you'll see that it comes out almost pessimistic. Some of the words in that first version, as she says, So send I you to labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown, to bear rebuke, to suffer scorn, and, 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 and uh, display sorrow. So send I you to toil for me alone. By the way, if we were to advertise, let's go into the ministry and here's what it's going to be about. And that was the song. I don't think anybody would want to go in the ministry. But you know what happened? She wrote that and that was her feelings back when she wrote that verse, those, that song in 1954. But nine years later, the Lord began to work in her heart and began to give her something that every one of us have available. It's called grace. And she rewrote the song. And if you ever come across that second version of the song, it's much more uplifting. It's much more positive. Why? Because she realized, yes, there's hardships. Yes, there's difficulties. But then there's God's grace. And some of the words in that second version go like this. So send I you, by grace made strong to triumph, or the hosts of hell, or darkness, death, and sin, my name to bear, in that name to conquer, so send I you my victory to win. You see, what happens in every person is as they begin to experience some struggles, some hardships, if they rely upon themselves, they're going to get discouraged. But when they rely upon God, God gives them some iron shoes. And God gives them some grace, and God gives them... Uh, some abilities to bear. Now, it's been my privilege uh, to have served alongside of a lot of suffering uh, uh, servants, those who uh, had some difficulty, those who had diseases, and those who had hardships and losses. But by God's grace, they just simply went forward. Thirdly and finally, we see that God is going to give strength to all of our days until the end. You know, it's interesting that this was Moses his epitaph. He is literally writing his epitaph before he is dead. He's literally writing these words and he's talking to and encouraging some others and he's telling them, listen, God's going to give you some strength. I know that, that you're going to have rich blessings. You've got the promised land and that you're going to have all people. You're going to have all of this oil. He said, it's going to be rocky and it's going to be rugged. It's going to be hard. But he said, as thy, strength, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. It's at that point there that Moses begins his final walk, his final journey. And as he goes up the top of the mountain, it's not long, a couple of verses later, where the Bible records for us, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. It's been my opportunity many times to be with different individuals in their dying moments. It's been my privilege to be with many, including Pastor Johnson. I, 
We'll never forget my final visit with the man I called preacher. And as I went to his home, he wasn't able to come to church. And to just see him, and, and by the way, he had that same spirit at the end. The same spirit that, as Dr. Getch mentioned, when he introduced and made the little white church building, made it big and great, he was doing the same thing with his final breath. And he was looking forward to heaven. And now heaven's going to be great. And he's talking to me about heaven and what he was looking forward to. You know, that's the grace that's available to you and I. Here we've got a great, great verse. As Moses sees ahead of time what is going to take place. And he says to that tribe of Asher, he says, you know, he says, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. I finished by telling you this story. Maybe you've heard it before, but over 71 years ago, there's a young man fresh out of Bible college. A young man who was intending to go to the mission field for the first time, South America. He was going to work at a radio station there in Quito, Ecuador. And he was there traveling on this airplane. And while he was on that airplane, of course, the thoughts of excitement, you know, first time visiting. And he had spent many a year even studying the language, mastering the language. He had sacrificed much to get to this point. Bible college, exams. In addition, he had also made the difficult decision to go alone. His girlfriend would not go. They had broken up just before he got on the plane. Now here he was on the plane, but the man, Glenn Chambers, never made it to that destination. Because a storm came up, and the storm pretty soon enveloped the entire plane. And that plane crashed into a 14,000-foot mountain. And Glenn Chambers died. You say, well, that's tragic. Yes, except that several years later, there was a missionary who was going to a remote section of Columbia, and she happened to go, her name was Ruth, and as she came to a group of people she thought had never heard about Jesus. And as she opened her Bible and said, listen, I want to tell you about Jesus, a big smile came across a man's face. Face And he said, oh, we know about Jesus. We are Christians. We have accepted Christ. She was shocked. She was surprised. She had been told nobody had ever come. She said, how did you hear about Jesus? And he said, here, let me show you. And there he took her to a Bible. A Bible that had been retrieved from a charred suitcase on the side of a mountain. A Bible that was in Spanish, a Bible that they had opened and the entire family had read, the village had read, and many people had come to know Christ as Savior. And as that missionary opened up the Bible, she opened up and she read the name Glenn Chambers. You see, God knows what He's doing. And God may have a different plan for you, but God is good. And this morning, I want to just encourage you with these verses that God gives you iron shoes as thy days, so shall thy strength be. 